<clears throat> a songwriter by the name of Judy Collins in the, in the 1960s wrote these words. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from near and far, and still somehow it's clouds illusions I recall I really don't know clouds at all. Well, it was the 60s and everybody was on acid. Um, <clears throat> no, what she was trying to say in that was when she looked at the world, it seemed unpredictable. It seemed to have no real shape or form or um, any sense of stability that you could put your hands on. And yet the truth is, when you look at life carefully, it's not that way at all. When you look at life, when you look at the world around you, what you see are patterns and cycles, seasons, and stages, rhythms. I mean, when you look at the world around you and you pay attention, you can see that uh, within uh, geometry, there are patterns. Within frequency, there are cycles. Within uh, the calendar year, there are the seasons of winter and spring, summer and fall. When you look at the living creatures around you. When you see a caterpillar go from a caterpillar to a butterfly, when you watch a child go from childhood to adulthood, you see the intricate stages of life that God has created. When you look around the world around you, when you look at life, what you find, is that it is filled with cycles. It is filled with patterns. It is filled with seasons. One of the patterns in life that I find intriguing is a pattern of what's called orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. This morning, I want to talk about that pattern a bit because it's a pattern that we enter into when we enter into the Christian faith, when we mature in the Christian faith. We're going to continue and we're going to be wrapping up in another week or so. Uh, the, the series I began called, God, what did you mean by that? Looking at those passages of scripture that just make us scratch our head and say, God, What's going on here? And, and am what I'm reading, is that really what you're saying? Because it doesn't seem to make any sense. This morning, we're going to look at Romans chapter 7. Because uh, there's a great passage in Romans 7 that just, uh, it jumps out at everyone who reads it. We, in fact, it jumps out. It's confusing on one hand, and yet on the other hand, we identify with it greatly. 
read with me. <clears throat> we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. <clears throat> well, that's the first part of the pattern, reorientation. What's our orientation? Well, as people born into this world, our orientation is sin. We're sinners, and we're pretty good at it. We do what sinners do. We focus on building our own kingdoms. As sinners, we're people who don't know God, don't want to know God, don't care about what God cares about. We're people who live for ourselves. As sinners, we get up every day living in this kind of spiritual blindness, just trying to feel good, trying to look good, trying to be in control and be right, trying to live lives for our success and trying to live lives for our power. That's our orientation. Before we come to Christ, that's just what we're born into. The moment we come into this world, the moment that we come out of the womb, we are sinners. And if you've had children, it doesn't take long to see that, right? You know, I always tell people, <clears throat> I never taught my children how to sin. I never have pulled them aside and said, look, let me teach you how to be bad. They just seemed to, it was just there. I never had to, to say to Katie, go take Timmy's truck hit him over the head. If you ever wonder what's been going on with Timmy, that's part of it. Um, <clears throat> just kidding. I didn't have to teach Caitlin to do that. She taught herself. She enjoyed doing that. Isn't it amazing? One of the first words that children learn is what? No. It isn't go, keep on going. Good, yeah, you're you're no. It's no, it's stop that. It's put that down. Don't touch that. Because the orientation is not towards doing what is right. It's not towards doing what's healthy. It's not towards what's doing what is holy, the orientation is sin. Think about it. When, when you turn on your TV and you, and you watch some program, and you can do this. Watch any program, watch any drama. And if you watch that drama, as a biblical person, you can just step by and say, well, no wonder. Look what they just did. 
You can't do that. If you do that, that'll mess you up. But when you live in that orientation, you don't know it. In fact, you kind of enjoy it. Let's face it, when it comes to trouble and sin, it's, it's easy in and hard out. It's just, it's very easy to enter into it. But then we pay the price for it. Because the wages of sin are death. Death to relationships, death uh, to our, the way that we think, the way that we relate to others. See, our orientation when we come into this world is an orientation away from God, not towards God. You know, you know you've heard it said that the beginning of a journey of a thousand miles is what? A single step. But that's not true. The beginning of a journey is first the right direction. Because if it isn't, you can take a million steps in the wrong direction. And that's what we do as sinners. <clears throat> it's just our orientation. We don't feel guilt over it. We don't feel bad about it. We don't worry about judgment over it. How many people do you know in this world <clears throat> who haven't come to Christ and are doing all sorts of crazy mixed up things really feel bad about it? Most of them just feel this is, you know, this is what you got to do to get ahead. This is what you got to do to take care of yourself. Uh, this is just part of life. You know, everybody's got to fight and struggle for their piece of pie and so uh, Paul begins by noting that we're not spiritual we're unspiritual that we don't even understand what we're doing orientation now I love this, and, and boy, we can all relate to this. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. <clears throat> what you're seeing is a transition. What you're seeing is, is Paul theologically talking about moving from a sinful orientation to the disorientation that comes when God opens up our eyes and begins to open up our hearts and our minds. And, and we begin to see that I can't do what I want to do. I can't just be who God wants me to be. I can't save myself. 
as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin, sin living within me. He's saying that there is a force and a power in us that becomes overpowering in and of ourselves. When you become a Christian, it becomes disorientating. When you become a Christian and all of a sudden, God opens up your eyes and your heart. Yeah, you feel joy, but you can easily begin to feel the power of the law. When you re read your Bible and all of a sudden you're seeing these things that you shouldn't be doing and, and you're hearing a, a way of thinking that's not your way of thinking, it can be disorientating. And you think to yourself, <clears throat> why, do I, why do I do this? What's going on with me? And Paul says, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living within me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I want, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. <clears throat> Can you feel the tension in that? You feel the tension every day, don't you? That struggle within us to go in one direction and yet this voice that says go in another direction. That struggle that says, boy, I'm really trying, but I'm not measuring up. Do you ever feel like it's hopeless being a Christian? I mean, honestly, do you ever feel like, <clears throat> I just can't keep this gig up forever? I mean, I'm trying to do good. I want to do good. And yet I keep messing up. I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. <clears throat> I have sat with people who are going through divorces, who were married to awful people, and, and will say to me, you know, I was just young and stupid, and I didn't know what I was doing. And when they get through it, they come back to me a year or two later and they want to introduce me to awful number two. Before we were young and stupid, now we're just... It's hard. The forces are hard. 
Next slide. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, it almost seems like I was better off before I knew. Because I didn't feel all this guilt. I didn't feel all this helpless. I didn't feel disoriented. I didn't feel like I got in over my head in a job that I can't perform. With, with, a, with a boss called the law that keeps saying to me, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You're not keeping up. Living now a life where I can see sin and I feel guilty and I feel awful about it. And I think to myself, what a wretched person I am. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> there are scholars who go back and forth and say, no, no, Paul was talking about before he was saved, not when he was saved. And others say, no, 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 Paul's, Paul's talking about the fact that there's this internal war. I, I, I think the latter is true. But look what we read next. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And, and, and what he's saying is this. The new reorientation is not my mind, not my flesh, but Christ and God's grace that transforms me. And he goes on in chapter 8 and he talks about the transforming grace and the power of God's love. See, we move from orientation to disorientation to reorientation. And reorientation is this. In and of yourself, you can do nothing. In and of yourself, you are inadequate. But thanks be to God, who what? Who delivers me through all of this? Who rescues me? <clears throat> I think this is so important to us. <clears throat> Because God is not looking for us to be perfect. God is not looking for us to be holy in order to be acceptable. God has already done that for us in Christ Jesus. Let me share the principle of this. If you can pop that up, Andreas. The heart of salvation is not perfection, but it's connection with God. What is it that God wants? What is it that he really wants? You to be perfect. You to get saved and do everything right and not mess up. Is that what God wants? Let me tell you something. God is God. 
He knows exactly what's going on inside of us. He knows exactly what we are and what we're becoming, and he knows our weaknesses. As a writer in Hebrews says, we have a great high priest who makes intercessions on our behalf, who knows our weaknesses. This is grace. This is the heart of salvation. The heart is not perfection. It's connection with God. So does God not care about perfection? Of course he does. But it's not the heart of salvation. Because if it was the heart of salvation, then that would be the direction. But the direction isn't you doing everything perfectly. What is that? That is not what God saved you for. God saves you for relationship with him. See, reorientation is going back, really, to our real orientation, which was before our orientation in this world. It goes back to the garden where God created us so that we might have a relationship with him. So that we might be the recipients of his powerful love. <clears throat> Why do men and women get married and have children? Because they feel this powerful love between them and they want to share it with someone else in an intimate way. They want to pour it out on someone else. Well, <laughs> That's what God wants. God wants us to be connected with him so that he can share his love with us. He is not looking for us to walk around just striving to be perfect. <clears throat> now let me say something. That sounds like heresy, doesn't it? So what are you saying? God doesn't want us to be holy? No, he wants us to be holy. God doesn't want us to pursue perfection? No, he wants us to become better. But it's not the heart of salvation. Because it was, if it was the heart of salvation, then Jesus didn't really die for our sins. It's us trying to change our sins. Grace is an important thing because if you truly go from orientation to disorientation where now you care about God and you love God and you, and you want to care about what God cares about, but then you're hit with this wave of, but I'm inadequate, I'm inadequate, I, I can't do it. And then you fully get what God has done in Christ. You now step into the reorientation of God's grace. Of knowing that God loves you. That the power of Christ's death for you on the cross is bigger. It's wider. It's deeper than you can fathom. You look in the mirror and, 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 
and you want to love God, and you want to be a good Christian, but when you look in the mirror, you, you see yourself and you say, what a mess. But here's a good thing. God loves that mess. And he doesn't want that mess to get in the way with you connecting with him. <clears throat> How do we get away from perfection and get established with connection? Number one, focus on God's love. Focus on God's love. Here's the thing. I really believe this. If I run around trying to be right and do the right things, it isn't going to work. Because I'm too messed up. And it's too taxing. And it's too overwhelming. Can't do this. Can't do that. Trying to get it all together. Trying to be perfect. I sit with people who live lives trying to be perfect, trying to do everything right, and they end up becoming neurotic. Don't focus on trying to do the right things. Focus on God's love because the power of God's holiness is in his love. If I focus on his love for me, and my love for him, I have a better chance of doing the right things than I ever will if I just focus on doing the right things. Focus on God's love, number two. Look to please, not to be perfect. Just look to please him. Ask yourself every day, is this pleasing to God? Do I want to please him? And then ask for the power to please, not to be perfect. Don't go to bed at night saying, oh, God, please make me better than I was today. God isn't keeping score like that. Number three, <clears throat> ask and receive forgiveness. There's an old saint of the church by the name of Bonner who would say, each night I go before God in prayer and I ask for his forgiveness and then I remember it no more. In other words, I let it go. I just, I receive God's forgiveness and I accept it. He wasn't saying, and I just repeat it the next day. He was saying, I put guilt and condemnation away. Guilt leads to condemnation. Condemnation leads to shame for sinners. But for God's saints, Guilt leads us to the cross where we, where we receive forgiveness. And the power of God's favor and peace upon us. 
Number four, show grace to others. I'm telling you, this is so powerful. That doesn't mean be a doormat. That doesn't mean don't speak out against sin. You can be graceful and love someone and say to them, I love you and I'm concerned about you and, and I'm seeing stuff going on in your life that might poison you. And, and, and I might be wrong, but I just want you to know I love you. Showing grace to others, I think, is a sign of your real awareness of the grace that God has given you. If you are judgmental of others, it's because you believe that God is judgmental of you. And you'll live in condemnation and not in freedom. And if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. And that's what God wants. Show grace to others. When they mess up, don't look at them with those disapproving eyes. Don't give those little jabs and comments that say, you're a mess. They already know it. There's, in Glenn Campbell's last song, um, the last album he wrote is he had Alzheimer's, and he knew it was towards the end. In one of his songs, he has this verse I love. It says, do not remind me of my failures. I've not forgotten them. I just think that's great. We don't need to be reminded of our failures. We feel it. We need to be reminded of God's grace and his love. If anything's going to turn us around, it's not going to be judgment. It's not going to be work harder, try harder, be better. It's going to be that God loves you. And, and he wants to give you the best. <clears throat> Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. That's what God's doing. I, I got a kick uh, out of uh, this week. I, um, I saw this when, I, and he isn't here, so we'll talk about him. Um, when I was uh, looking at Chris Haken's Facebook, um, boy, you could see this all over. Orientation, disorientation, you know, orientation, everybody's trying to stop me from doing what I want to do. My mom's blah, blah, blah. Goes off to college, off balance, reorientation. I love my mom. I love Pastor Pete. I love Pastor Fred. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's just the way it is. Your eyes are opened. To love. And all of a sudden you become reorientated. All of a sudden you moved from being blinded to seeing the light to being knocked off balance and then being put back 
in balance with the grace and the power of God's love. And yeah, we still say, why do I do what I don't want to do? And yet, in the midst of those words, God loves you. No matter what you're doing, he loves you. Not crazy about what you're doing. Doesn't want it for you because it's hurting you, but he loves you. And he will love you in the midst of the pain that you cause yourself and the jams that you create for yourself. He will love you when you go so far out in left field and you think there's no way I can even go get on my knees and pray to him because I, I have so offended him. Love is not offended. 1 Corinthians 13. Love always forgives. You focus on God's love. You walk in his grace. And you will live the Christian life. Because God and his spirit and his love will transform you and do for you what you can't do for yourself. Let's pray.